Hello and welcome to episode number 36 of the Draft Addicts, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi, and alongside me, as always, is Tony Pauline. And we're almost back to our regular schedule this week after several weeks of bowl previews and recaps from both the Shrine Game and the Senior Bowl led to several podcasts a week. With those events in the NFL PA game behind us, we'll have two shows this week on Wednesday and Thursday to kind of wrap it all up and break down the big winners at each position from the All-Star Circuit, one on the offensive side of the ball and one on the defensive side of the ball. We'll also mention a few disappointments as well and go over why some players are getting a wide variety of opinions from what scouts saw. While we were both in mobile for the Senior Bowl and Tony was in St. Pete for the Shrine Game, neither of us was in person at the NFL PA game. So Tony, how are we going to get our information from there? Well, Chris, over the past two weeks, I spoke with several people I trust who were in attendance at NFLPA practice, and I got their opinions. The weather at the NFLPA game was actually was worse than what we experienced last week in, in Mobile, and some of the practices had to be shelved. Uh, the, the theme from the NFLPA game was the same from everyone I spoke with who attended the event, and, it, and they said it was told me it was run like a first-class scouting event, but only a few players who participated will ever see the field in the NFL. For example, the NFL made, NFLPA made a presentation to all the players in attendance, and someone said to me they did a beautiful job making the presentation in front of more than 100 players. It's too bad only three of those players will ever end up paying dues in the NFLPA. The overriding thought being that just three players from the NFLPA may end up on an NFL roster this fall. That being said, let's start with the quarterbacks who've helped themselves over the past couple weeks. The Senior Bowl really did little to clear the picture at the position. Many thought a guy like Missouri's Drew Locke came out as a winner. Others liked Auburn's Jared Stidham, even Duke's Daniel Jones. I'll go a bit lower here, take away from the top guys, and I'll look at Washington State's Gardner Minshew. He's not a guy with great physical skills, size, or arm strength. He did struggle in the game Saturday. I believe he was one for eight for four yards, which is obviously not a good showing, but he really did enjoy a solid week of practice. Showed good accuracy, timing, and anticipation, probably better than any of the other quarterbacks in attendance, although obviously a lot of those guys are far more talented than he is. In the end, Minshew could really carve out a nice career as an NFL backup who can kind of keep the offense on schedule when the starter is out, whether it's due to injury or poor play or whatever the reason may be. Looking at a guy who had an intriguing week down in St. Pete is old Mrs. Jordan Tayamu. He's got a good arm. He's a good athlete, at times spotty with his accuracy, his decision-making, his poise in the pocket. Those things all need a little bit of work, but he did show well in the practices. He's a possible day three flyer with some upside to develop into a backup at the NFL level. Tony, who impressed you most among the signal callers? I really like Jared Stidham. I thought he delivered more than was expected of him coming off a poor 2018 season. We saw a guy who was accurate, showed great arm strength, made good decisions. You were there. We saw a couple times where it looked like the defensive backs had to jump on the ball. But Stidham was, put, was able to put enough velocity on the pass that he got it out to the receiver in the flanks. NFL-type throws, terrific, terrific speed and accuracy on the outs, was able to thread the needle over the middle of the field. I basically liked him every day. I thought he was consistent. I didn't think he was great, but I thought he was very good every single day. I also like Brett Ripien from the Shrine game. Remember, Ripien was a guy who came into the season, was not even graded by scouts, was kind of an afterthought. I thought he showed enough of the Shrine game that teams may take a flyer on him late in the draft in the seventh round to be a backup, sort of a clipboard holder at the next level. He's a smart guy. He has a great feel for the position. He does a great job seeing the field. He stays away from mistakes. He showed great timing at the Shrine game, which was pretty significant, especially since the Shrine had some very good receivers there. Stidham from the Senior Bowl and Brett Rippon from the Shrine were my two big winners 
or the guys I thought came out of those two games as the big winners. As far as the running backs and fullbacks are concerned, I got to go with Ty Johnson from the Shrine game. He was a guy who I spoke about all week, a guy who kind of was struggled with injury and fighting for playing time last season at Maryland because they have so much talent in the backfield. Someone who, when he gave, when he was handed off the ball, he showed his traits of a great explosion, great quickness, a burst through the hole, and terrific speed. But as I said in the podcast from the Shrine, his pass catching was outstanding. He ran great routes, receiver type of routes, terrific sharpness, the ability to separate from uh, from defenders. No linebacker could could uh, cover him in one-on-one drills. From the NFLPA game, I like Wes Hills, who was so good at the NFLPA game, he got the call up to last year to last week's Senior Bowl. He's a bigger back. He's strong. A little bit about Wes Hills. Was a terrific back at Delaware, had him highly rated coming in a 2017 season, was declared academically ineligible, played last year at Slippery Rock, and dominated a small school competition like a big-time back will. I don't think he's a feature runner at the next level. I think he's got to run a little bit lower and behind his pads, but I think he's a solid short yardage ball carrier that can be used on a rotational basis. And finally, I was very impressed with Alec Ingle, the sole fullback who I think will be drafted this April. Really a a, a three-way player at fullback. Terrific lead blocker. Showed excellent pass-catching hands out of the backfield last week as he did at Wisconsin. And if you watch the Wisconsin film, he can carry the ball and pick up that short yardage. Absolutely. And another guy that was impressive in Mobile for me was Memphis's Tony Pollard. He's not a between-the-tackles runner. He's small, but he's impressive as a receiver, shows good burst through the hole, speed and elusiveness in space. He also got a lot of work as a returner down there as well. So he's kind of a multifaceted weapon for a team to use on offense and on special teams, even if he's not going to be a featured back at the next level. The second running back standout during Shrine Week, which arguably had more impressive running back performances than the Senior Bowl, was Nebraska's Divine Ozigbo. He's a bigger back, over 230 pounds, but good athleticism, very good quickness for a player his size. Really showed out, showed he could handle some work as a receiver as well. So he was another player who impressed. We'll move on to the wide receivers and tight ends. And for me, all the winners and risers that I have are from the Senior Bowl. Terry McLaurin and Keelan Doss are the top two in my book. Both of them are excellent route runners. McLaurin was open all week, catching everything. Really showed an immediate comfort level with all of the quarterbacks on his team. On the other hand, Doss out of UC Davis showed good body control and hands in addition to those crisp routes and the ability to consistently separate from defenders despite not really having that burner type speed. McLaurin was a much faster player and used that in his routes to separate, but Doss was equally as impressive. Penny Hart was probably the most impressive slot receiver there. And that's saying something considering Hunter Renfro from Clemson was in attendance, as was Andy Isabella from UMass. Hart is unbelievably quick out of his route breaks. Really nobody could stay with him at the stem. He does have a limited catch radius. He's only 5'8", 180. That was a problem at times during Senior Bowl week with the poor accuracy of the quarterbacks in attendance. But he's a guy who can definitely carve out a role at the NFL level. And the last guy I want to mention Debo Samuel from South Carolina, not necessarily a riser. We went into the week knowing he was an early round player, expecting him to be the best receiver at the event. And he certainly was really solidified his early round stock and was easily the most impressive player down there out of the skill position, guys. Tony, who did you like from the pass catchers the past couple weeks? Well, first, let me say that I'm getting a lot of good feedback on Penny Hart coming out of the Senior Bowl week. A lot of teams like him probably pushed himself into the third round. As far as the tight ends and the receivers, I'm basically going to stay at the Shrine game, uh, except for except for one player. At the tight end position, I love Kendall Blanton at the Shrine game. He's a big guy who looks like a power forward on the football team. 
really was kind of a second fiddle at Missouri, was never able to grab hold of the starting job, but he showed next-level starting skills and flashed it throughout Shrine Game Week. Catches the ball well, incredibly athletic, needs a lot of work on his blocking, but as I said during the podcast, he really wasn't asked to block too much, so it's justifiable or excusable that he kind of seemed a little bit hazy. I love Drew Sample during Senior Bowl week, and I'm getting a lot of good feedback on him. You know, more of your traditional three-down tight end that can you put you put him on the field in third and two, he'll do a good job blocking for you. You put him on the field on third and five, he'll get past the sticks six yards and make the reception for you. Not the type of tight end that teams want today that's going to streak down the field 25, 30 yards and create mismatches in the secondary and basically an oversized receiver. Samples a guy who's going to find the spot at the next level as a very good number two tight end. Both of my receivers were from the Shrine game. Terry Godwin of, uh, of, of Georgia was phenomenal during uh, Shrine week. He's not a downfield threat, didn't show that second gear, but his route running was incredible. No one could stay with him. Consistently got separation, ran scissor-sharp routes, incredible quickness in the breaks, consistently positioned himself to make the reception as he exited breaks and caught everything. Was also a big fan of Keyshawn Johnson, which is nothing new because I've been on this guy since October of 2017. What impressed me about Keyshawn Johnson, a bigger receiver, was his route running skills. He also caught everything. He made the extraordinary highlight reel film as regularly as he made the usual pass that receivers could catch. So I think Keyshawn Johnson really helped himself. We'll go on to the offensive line. My first winner on the offensive line would be Philip Haynes of Wake Forest at the NFLPA game. Only practice one day, but from the time he stepped on the scale at weigh-ins or stepped on the podium at weigh-ins through the first day of practice, he was very impressive. Came into the season with early third-day grades, did not have the senior campaign that most scouts had hoped. They thought he was a little bit soft, but they saw kind of a return to form during the NFLPA practice. I think Haynes really benefited from uh, his brief stint there. Also liked uh, Josh Miles at the Shrine, someone I talked about uh, in each podcast from Morgan State. Can play tackle, can play guard, a guy who was not graded by scouts coming into the year. Incredible fundamentals, very strong. As I said, Chris Slayton of Syracuse had a real good Shrine week. The only bump in the road for Chris Slayton was when he went up against Josh Miles, who handled him. Finally, from the senior bowl, Andre Dillard, the left tackle. Sensational footwork. A guy who I think helped himself anywhere from a, a full round to a half a round on his draft stock. I think he could go to late first round now. Tremendous pass protector. Fundamentally sound. Shows a good feel for blocking. Played some right tackle. Needs to, to improve his, his run blocking strength. But I think Dillard comes out of the senior bowl week as a big winner. Now, before we end the show here, Tony, there were several players who were quite polarizing at the Senior Bowl. A couple guys I mentioned before, particularly at the quarterback position. Who have you been hearing are the guys that had the most varying opinions among scouts? And why do you think people couldn't agree on what they saw from them? Yeah, what I'm hearing from people is there is a wider variety of opinion on some players from this year's Senior Bowl than there has been in the past. I mean, players all over the place. We'll start off with Drew Locke. When I was at practice Thursday, when I sat down with some of my scout friends, they asked me, how did Drew Locke get so bad? Because, you know, Drew Locke at the Senior Bowl, when he looked good, he was phenomenal, but he only looked good in spots. He was very streaky, which was a continuation of, of his 2018 season. So while some scouts were asking, well, how did Drew Locke get so bad? You know, there is word that he could be a top 15 pick. Most of that word is coming out of the state of Colorado, because I was told from Shrine Week that the Denver Broncos may make Drew Locke the 10th pick of the draft. Two hours before the show, I spoke with someone who told me John Elway loves Drew Locke. So you've got Drew Locke anywhere from a top 15 pick to some scouts who think he's not even worth a first-round selection. 
Similar situation with Daniel Jones of Duke. We like Daniel Jones. We saw good things. I went into the week saying that if Daniel Jones had the week that he was capable of having, he had the opportunity to make a big vault up draft boards. Really didn't do that, but I thought he solidified himself as a mid to late first round selection. There are some people who totally disagree. Someone told me today that they think Daniel Jones is no way a first round pick, that he worked himself out of the first round during senior ball week. And right now they look at him as a developmental prospect. The, f- the last guy was Garrett Bradbury, uh, the center from uh, North Carolina State. Now, we watched him on Monday, and he was getting overrun. He was getting demolished by Rennell Wren. He did improve as the week went on, to his credit, and I believe he was given uh, the award as the best practice player on the offensive line. I came out of the week thinking that he's more of a fourth-round, third-round pick, as did a lot of other people who I spoke with. Today, somebody told me that they believe that this is a scout and a decision-maker in the front office, that they believe Garrett Bradbury right now has a 90% chance to be a first-round pick. So it's basically all in the eye of the beholder. I think with Drew Locke, what they're doing is they're looking at what Drew Locke does best, and they're kind of dismissing and ignoring the bad things and thinking they can build on top of that. With Daniel Jones, I think his detractors expected more from him. And the fact is, is Jones started the week strong, but kind of petered out as it went along. And with Garrett Bradbury, I think teams like his, uh, just like his toughness. Someone told me that he's uh, he's ahead of Tooney, or he, he's he's a better prospect right now than Tooney, who's going to be uh, from the New England Patriots, the former North Carolina State Wolfpack lineman who'll be playing in the Super Bowl on Sunday. Yeah, to touch on Locke and Jones quickly, Locke did have flashes, as you mentioned. I mean, he showed the ability to throw for multiple different arm angles. I remember there was one pass he threw sidearm in a very tight window, maybe 7 to 10 yards down the field. That really impressed me. If I saw that Drew Locke consistently, I would have no problem putting him in the top 10 or the top 15 of the draft, where it looks like he's going to go anyway. But I just want to see that more from him. He always leaves me wanting more. That's the same case with when I watched Jared Stidham during the season, not at the Senior Bowl, but at Auburn. I was always left wanting more. I was always thinking there was another level he could get to. And I'm always feeling that way with Drew Locke. Maybe it's, as you said, in the eye of the beholder in a situation where I have expectations of Drew Locke based on the talent that he has. But at the same time, at the quarterback position, it's not always talent. A lot of it does have to do with consistency. And that's another issue with Daniel Jones that we saw, as you said, kind of slipped on Thursday, did have some troubles transitioning to under center, ran a lot of shotgun at Duke. So it'll be interesting to see what the NFL makes of these guys and where they end up going in the draft come April. And that's all for the 36th episode of the Draft Analysts presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any of the other major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask questions in your review or on Twitter, you can find us at Chris Tripodi, at Tony Pauline, at Draft Analyst One, and at Believe Podcasts to get in touch with the show. We'll be back Thursday to wrap up the early offseason winners on the defensive side of the ball. But for now, make sure you head over to DraftAnalyst.com for all the latest on this year's NFL Draft. On behalf of Tony Pauline, this is Chris Tripodi, and we'll talk to you soon.